Hey, what's up, guys? This is Joseph Rojas from Seventh Day Slumber, and you're listening to the Christian Music Guys podcast. Keep it locked. This week, we sit down with Joseph Rojas from Seventh Day Slumber. Welcome back to the Christian Music Guys podcast, a podcast for Christian music fans by Christian music fans. Guys, have you heard about the deer in Pennsylvania? No. It's not a joke. It it's, it's, <laughs> it's not that a seems joke. like very open-ended. <laughs> it's, listen, okay. Was it? Look I, at I, I feel, here, here's the thing. I feel like this should be bigger news than it is. Because when I read about this story, I was surprised that I hadn't heard about it yet. So last week, last Wednesday, in Berks County, Pennsylvania, which I'm not sure what that is, but uh, th- so there was a deer that had its its uh, head stuck in a fence, right? And it was in distress, and so people called the game warden, and the game warden came out, and the game warden they were they were trying to figure out how to free this deer because it was frantic and they couldn't get to it. Uh, with their hands and it was too dangerous and he didn't want to tranquilize it because he was afraid that it would cause too much stress on the deer and that it it would have a heart attack. And so they did the next best thing they could do. And he shot its antler off to free it. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So the way the news article reads, Merry Christmas kids. (laughs) He says, the game warden used his sharpshooting skills to aim <laughs> at the deer's antler and shoot it clean off. Well, um, it worked, though. So, I mean, I just think if you're worried the deer's going to have a heart attack with a tranquilizer, don't you think shooting half of its, its shooting towards its head and aiming for its antlers isn't going to cause it stress? Just imagine the story that this deer has when he goes back to his friends, right? Where have yeah. you where have you been, man? Where's, where's your antlers? You won't well, believe what happened to me. <laughs> oh dear. The warden got a hold of me. <laughs> he should have just used a tranquilizer. I don't know why he shot my antler off. So let's go ahead and get into the interview with Joseph from Seventh Day Slumber. Hey, Joseph, so uh, you guys were recently in South by Southwest. Uh, how was that? Uh, welcome back, first of all. And was that your all's first time there, or is this something you all have done before? Actually, it's our first time playing this service. It's a South by Southwest service. So we've played South by Southwest before. I've played South by Southwest before I knew the Lord, so in a secular band. And, mm-hmm. and then we've played South by Southwest as Seventh Day Slumber years ago. But those were events that were completely different than there was more like it was more emphasis on just rocking out and playing music. Mm. This was a South by Southwest Sunday service, which was pretty amazing because it's the first year out of all of the years that South by Southwest has been doing their big music festival. And for those listeners that don't know, South by Southwest brings in it's it's the largest draw austin has and you know one of the biggest draws in the state of texas but it brings in about 54 million dollars over that few days and wow and so but it's it's a i mean it's a bunch of partying it's a bunch of beer drinking it's a bunch of drugs it's a bunch of wild wild stuff and so for them to allow now churches get involved and they have ministries and they'll put on their own events at Mm -hmm. south by southwest but it won't be under the south by southwest banner it'll just be something because they block off two city blocks and so a church may come in and put on their own stage somewhere or whatever but it won't be a south by southwest event this was literally a south by southwest event it's the first time that they've ever allowed the gospel to be preached awesome. um, under the South by Southwest banner. Well, it was pretty amazing, man. I mean, we rocked out. We had a great time. And we ministered. We saw lives changed. Uh, a lot awesome. of amazing people were there as well that ministered. And so it was awesome. Other musicians, and other speakers. It was, it was amazing. That's awesome. You guys, and go ahead, Jacob. Did you guys get any like setback from that? Haters like... I guess in the Christian world and then people there actually trying to stop it or 
Well, yeah, I mean, we got a, we got the most hate we got was from Christian people. We didn't like people out there that were partying and drinking and like just, you know, walking around stumbling drunk that night. Cause we got there the night before and pulled right into where we were playing, which is a big outdoor area. So we just parked our bus and slept in our bus right there at the park. And so people were, like anybody that I talked to about Jesus, they were receptive and, and some of them were drunk and some of them weren't. But even those that were drunk, they weren't like belligerent and hateful. They they were they were drunk and they were belligerent in, to a certain extent, but not angry at me or, you know, just they, they were just obnoxious, you know, but yeah. there was no hate there. The hate and the venom that was spewed was from Christian people when they found out we were playing South by Southwest. Like, y'all play at that place where all those heathens are at and all the drunks and, you know. Right. So that was part of the heat. Then because there was another guy speaking, a guy by the name of Todd White, who we had never met before. I don't, I didn't know anything about his ministry. Um, but because he was speaking at the event, people told us that, I can't even believe you'd be seen with this prosperity preacher, this fake, he's a heretic, he's going to burn in hell, he's sending people to hell, all this stuff. And they so they said, we're never going to listen to your music again if you play. And and he speaks on the... First of all, it, the funniest thing about it is he wasn't even... It's not even his event. The organizer, a guy by the name of Chad Carter, him and his wife had a vision for this. They wanted... They believed it, that it was something that they that God placed on their heart and they wanted to see it happen. They want to do it. And so they invited us and Curtis Hoppy, who's a Christian hip hop artist, uh, and uh, a bunch of worship uh, leaders from uh, the city of Austin got together and created this thing called Austin Worship Collective. So they just all came together in different churches and just began to worship. But uh, then Todd White was one of the speakers there. And so I mean, people just went off they lost their minds all over my facebook it's it's on seven day slumbers facebook you can see the trash talk that was mm -hmm. that was on there and uh i couldn't believe it i was like man we got zero heat from people that were strung out on dope that were drinking themselves to death that were prostitutes out there there were pimps drug dealers uh college students that just hated god but listened to what we had to say because they heard our heart. They they didn't just hear someone preaching at them. They um, because sometimes you'll see people with the repent uh, or, or burn signs down there, and so actually quite a bit every actually every yeah. south southwest. Yeah. So uh, you know I think that same guy lives in our town too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and so it's like repent or you know or you're going to hell, and and these people are. Um, they don't, they're not listening and people will go see, see, yeah, they're not listening because they don't want to hear about hell. And what you're doing is just giving them all love. You're not telling them about God's wrath. You, you preach all about heaven, but nothing about hell. And you know how people they can be and they don't understand. Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't give my life. I was a drug addict with no hope in my life. I, I, I was, I was on the verge of suicide. As a matter of fact, I gave my life to Jesus in the back of an ambulance after I, I attempted to commit suicide. My mom was the one that found me and thank God she found me because in the back of an ambulance, God used these paramedics to save my life. I was going to die. And, and I felt the hand of God in the back of an ambulance. I didn't have someone scream that I was going to burn in hell for me to give my life to Jesus. I, I did. I gave my life to Jesus because I experienced him. I didn't just hear about him. I had an encounter with a living God. And 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 I didn't give my life to Jesus because I was scared of hell. I gave my life to Jesus because he was there for me in my darkest hour. I gave my life to Jesus because he met me in my filth. I gave my life to Jesus because when everybody else had turned their back on me, he never did. I gave my life to Jesus because he 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 came to me in the midst of my pain and with throw up all over me and, and tubes on my, in my arms. And I mean, I'm telling you, man, I, wow. he, I gave my life to Jesus because he first loved me. And do I believe in hell? Of course I do. 
Mm. You know, of course I do. I believe in heaven and I believe in hell. And I believe that if you don't give your life to Jesus and you don't, you know, and you don't ask for forgiveness and repent of your sins, you know, that, that you can't, you do, you don't go to heaven. I mean, I'm just going to, you know, keep it simple. Let's keep it simple. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, if someone gives their life to Jesus, and I know people that have because they didn't want to go to hell, well, I don't want to go to hell, man. I'm gonna give my I'm, I'm gonna give my life to Jesus. Then you didn't really give your life to Jesus. You 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 don't have you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You have fire insurance. You didn't give your you didn't truly give your life to Jesus. I mean, saying I, I better I better say this prayer that way I don't go to hell. That is not what the Bible. That's that's not what the Bible talks about. It's not what the, you know, that's not how it works, you know. But people are so caught up on hell that they have totally missed the heart of God, the love of God, and and then I know people that only preach about, you know, heaven and love. And that you can pretty much do anything you want and you're, and it's cool. God's fine with it. And that's not how it works either. Right. Yeah. So the problem is though, that you have a bunch of people that have never been forgiven much because they've been taught that this God doesn't forgive much. So they don't forgive much. Mm -hmm. And so they're living by trying to stay out of the pits of hell. Like, that's their only job in life is to stay out of the pits of hell. And, and for me, when I wake up in the morning, I'm not thinking about how am I going to stay out of the pits of hell? I'm set free by the blood of Jesus Christ. I gave my life to him. Amen. I, I surrendered my heart to him. I make mistakes, but I've surrendered my heart to Jesus and I trust him. And, and I know that God forgave me of my sins and, I've turned away from my old lifestyle with his help. Like I said, I still make mistakes, but I know that I'm forgiven and I'm not going to walk in that condemnation, you know, because I know that I'm set free in him. That's how I walk every single day, you know? Yeah, yeah I, would, I, I would I would say to the, you know, the people that, you know, disagreed with you guys being there, I mean— what the whole Bible verse that says go into all the world and preach the gospel. And it, you know, it's, it's not saying go into the churches and preach the gospel. It's going outside of the four walls to the places out of our comfort zone, you know, that us Christians that we're, we're supposed to go to. God has called us to go to the places that a lot of people wouldn't go. And God used you all, you know, this past weekend to touch lives. And so I would say to the haters, I mean, it's in, it's in the book, you know, it's, it says to go into all the world and you guys were, you know, led, led by the Holy spirit to do that. Well, i tell you what, I, I got to a point where I was just kind of done writing back to these people. I mean, um, but I felt like it was important. A lot of people say, man, don't address your haters. I feel like it's important to a certain extent to, to, to say what you have to say back to these people. And I, because people are watching and I don't want somebody that's reading our Facebook page to think that these people are, are, are representing God correctly, you know? And I'm not saying those people don't believe in God or that they're not going to heaven just because they are being haters to seventh day slumber. That is between them and God, you know, and each one of us have to work out our own salvation you know, and it does say with fear and trembling, but it's talking about a reverence, a reverence for God, man. Okay. Let me just give you an example because people like to throw that word fear around. Well, you're supposed to fear God, fear God. And so they walk around scared, right? So here's the thing. When you're walking around scared of going to hell and and you feel like you need to tell everybody else that they better repent or they're going to burn in hell. You're not telling them because you necessarily love them. You're telling them because you're scared that if you don't say it, then you're not doing what God told you to do and you're going to burn in hell. So what it does is it, it just all about you. 
it's not about love. And it's not about love for your neighbor. It's about the fact that if God told me to go to preach the gospel to all, you know, to, to all people. And, and so if I don't do that, I'm going to go to hell. So you're not loving those people. You're doing it so you don't go to hell. That's that's selfish, first of selfish all. Selfish reason, yeah. Right. Yeah. But second of all, um, you haven't earned the right to speak into these people's lives. If you people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I don't care. You know, I, I I know a lot of people that can spit scripture and but they're meaner than a burnt cat. Mm-hmm. You know? You'd be preaching scripture and then scream at the lady at the drive-thru because she didn't put your fries in the bag. Well. Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, but I'm not tripping. Like, I'm I'm being real. Like, I'm just keeping it real. Like, some people don't want to hear it. Like, and that's okay. That's okay. But I feel like it's important to say these things. And and I'm a dad, right? So so when we're talking about fear, my kids, they fear me, right? But they don't fear me like the way you think they fear me. My kids fear me. They have a reverence for their mommy and their daddy. But but let me tell you something. My kids trust me with their whole heart. My kids know that I would never do anything that would hurt them. And they really do. All three of my sons, my oldest son, Blaze, my middle son, Caden, and my youngest son, Sage. They just, they they look up to me. They've seen me fall. They've seen me stand tall. They've seen my mistakes and they've seen their daddy pray for our, our veterans. They've seen, they've, they've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly, but they still, they still look up to me because they, they know my heart. Right. But my kids, when somebody says to them, Hey, don't do that. And, and, and because we raised our kids, right. They, hopefully they don't have to hear that a lot, you know, when we're out somewhere and they say, don't do that. You know, and my kids are respectful. But when they hear daddy say, don't do that, boy, let me tell you yeah. something. Mm-hmm. They stop doing what they're doing immediately Yeah, with fear and trembling. But not because they think that I, because I want to send them to a bad place or because I, I can't wait to whip them mm-hmm. and abuse them. No, it's because they have a reverence for their mommy and their daddy. When they hear daddy's voice, they know. But when they hear daddy's voice, they're also comforted. And so that's uh, th- that's just a glimpse of who God is because God created fathers. So how much more loving is the creator of fathers, right? And so how much more loving is the creator of love? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that that's good stuff. And, and you know, as far as uh, you guys being there, but we're we're super we're super excited about it when we saw it and uh you know I was I was thinking when you were sharing about it it was just you know Jesus was the one who said you know it's the sick who need a doctor these are the people I came for because he was also called out you know for hanging out with the the unlovables oh, yeah. you know and he was like this is the people I came for you know and uh so but yeah I, I hope there. you guys he, have- also, he didn't stop there he also said you brood of vipers. Yeah, right. And you're yeah. like whitewashed tombs, beautiful mm-hmm. on the outside, but inside you're full of dead men's bones. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, he said, mm-hmm. if you tie heavy loads on men's backs but wouldn't lift a finger to help them, he also said that you'll go over land and sea to win one single convert but make them twice as much a son of hell as you are. Yeah. I mean, we we're going to keep it real. That's right. <laughs> he, I didn't he, say it. <laughs> No, 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 yeah, he didn't. He, did, he didn't hold back. That's for sure. No. That's for sure. Well, we hope you guys have another opportunity. I hope this is just a beginning. Oh, it I, is, I, man. I, I hope that there's more open. Sunday sermons to go. Oh yeah, some doors were open, man. It was amazing. It was awesome. amazing. And the guy that they were talking about preached the gospel. The guy that they said was a heretic. The guy that mm. they said. Now, I'm not saying that the guy has done everything right in his life, and I've seen videos where his words were twisted, and I've seen videos where his words weren't twisted, and then he had to go back and repent, which I saw that video too. But this isn't about one man's event. This is about what God is doing. But but I will say, as a witness there, and and then that man coming on my bus and just wanting to talk to me and tell me he grew up, uh, not grew up, he's, he's older than me, but... Uh, in his Christian walk, listening to our music while he was a child in the Lord. 
um, you know, that he, uh, and I'm not saying he's older than me to like take a jab at, take a stab at the guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, he ain't older than me by older than me by much. Let me put it to you that way. But no, like, uh, but he, he listened to our music. Like grew up in the Lord listening to seventh day slumber. And so he wanted to meet me and talk with me. And man, when I, he shared with me about how much it hurt him that people were saying these things. He also shared with me how he could have worded things different and said things different and, you know, and, and it, but I, when he was on that stage, he preached the word of God. I mean, and it was, it was uncompromised. And so that's all I can say about that. People can think what they want, say what they want, but those are people that weren't out in the trenches or haven't been. Those are people that have a, a Facebook uh, ministry. They're, they're Facebook theologians or Facebook yeah. Pharisees. <laughs> they ain't never going to, they're not the ones out there in the middle of a, of a, dope infested area in the middle of the night praying for people when they could be shot or stabbed or killed just so those people know that they're loved and that there's a God in heaven who has a plan for their life. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. So Joseph, let's, let's go back 20 plus years, um, to the start of seventh day slumber. Uh, how, how did, uh, how did you guys, uh, join together and become seventh day slumber? Well, I was um, telling you earlier, I was, a, you know, I was a drug addict. And, and so I didn't really believe in God. Um, my mom did. And I became a Christian because really because I had a praying mom. And my mom, when I was 18, she gave her life to Jesus. Um, so growing up, she believed like I knew my mom believed in God, but it wasn't like a I guess it wasn't raised in a Christian household per se. It was just like, my mom believes that you should be a good person. Don't, you shouldn't steal, lie, cheat, kill people, you know, those things, um, like 10 commandments. And, and then she didn't really go to church a lot. And we didn't really go to church a lot, a few times a year. Um, but when I was 18, I finally got locked up in big boy jail. So my mom had to deal with me when I was 12 years old, my behavioral problems, drug, I started using drugs and alcohol when I was 12. So I had a dad that used to beat my mom and abuse her and cheat on her and everything. And and when I was about four um, or almost four, my dad um, beat her really bad. The police were called and, and he was arrested and he got out and left the country. I never saw my dad again after that until I was a teenager. So I was raised by a single mom, single mother's income. She did everything she could to put food on the table for us, man, and worked hard. Um, so she couldn't be there all the time. And, um, but she would send us to babysitter, uh, and the babysitter would abuse us, beat us. Uh, and then we went to another babysitter because this babysitter used to abuse us and beat us. And then the other babysitter abused my brother in a different way. My brother's two years older than me. And I was in the room while he was uh, molested. And so, um, and it, and it messed him up and messed me up. We were little kids. We're supposed to be thinking about throwing the football around and want, you know, and wanting to go out and ride bikes and things like that. And instead, we're having to process things that adults can't even process. And mm -hmm. um, and so for me, I I was looking for a way to numb that pain. And um, my brother became an introvert. I became, you know, an extrovert. And, um, and so I, uh, but I ended up with about a $400 a day cocaine addiction, um, which is, it's crazy because, you know, we were talking about South by Southwest Austin and, and Austin, Texas, I was homeless on the streets of Austin, Texas, just a few blocks away from where I went and preached. And, and mm -hmm. so that's why it was a special thing for me. But, um, uh, but yeah, I made the decision to take my life. And in the back of an ambulance, I felt the hand of God. But I told you, my mom, when I was 18, gave her life to Jesus. And um, so I, uh, so God moved in my life. And, and uh, I went to Bible college uh, at a place called Christ for the Nations in Dallas. Uh, I wasn't ready for that because I had not really been discipled uh, at all. I was still really rough around the edges. And I thought as long as I wasn't using cocaine, uh, like I was on fire for Jesus, but my mouth was still not where it needed to be. And there was still some moral 
stuff that I needed to fix. And so I was only in Bible college for a couple of semesters and I just wasn't ready for that. But that's where I started seventh day slumber was in Bible college. And, um, and so, you know, I ended up after seventh day slumber, we started playing around Dallas and playing around some other areas and it was really awesome. But, um, but I ended up falling back into drugs and, um, and I relapsed and, and I, and I don't mean for a long period of time, but it was like a couple of months that I relapsed and I ended up going back to jail. And, uh, a lot of people don't know this part of the story. Of course, seven day slumber wasn't like a household name. I mean, we were sure. just, a, I guess a local band at that time, maybe, yeah. uh, or a regional or whatever you want to call it. But, um, but yeah, when I got, I went to jail and I, and when I was in jail, the same people that ministered to me from my mom's church, they were the ones doing the jail ministry. And it was really embarrassing because I had to see them and, but, but you know what? They loved on me. And so that's why I said, I don't, I don't want to bash church people because it was, it's people in the church that loved on me. It's people in the church that, yeah, that were there for me, but that's how seven day slumber kind of like got its start. But when, but really when, what happened is when I got out of jail, I started the band back up again, kind of put it together, just a, a, a new team. Cause I, I guess at that point, well, even in the beginning, I was seven day slumber, I'm not trying to brag on me. I'm just saying nobody really wanted to be in the band. They just wanted to help play. And so different people would come and play. And there's like, that's why you'll see on Wikipedia, there's like 50 members, but it's because <laughs> different people would come at different times. And then sure. when the band got big, they all, came back later and were like to Wikipedia. Oh, I was in seven day slumber. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, you played two shows, but it's all good. So that's how the band started. Yeah. And we ended up getting signed and uh, yeah. So and then, awesome. then, then you guys heard of us. Yeah. So <laughs> a song from the early two thousands, I'm sure every teenager listened to this song with their windows down jamming. It's a it's what was an anthem. It, it became an anthem for you guys. But uh, the song Caroline, how you know, what's the story behind that song? Uh, you know, I was I got married in 2004. So I remember that song. I think that song came out uh, 2005. Correct. Uh, that's around, a great question. Yeah, <laughs> it was around, it was around that time. That's I remember good. after I after I got married, I remember hearing that song. And I was like, wow, that's a beautiful song. So just tell us the story behind that song, if you don't mind. Yeah, well, my, that's, I appreciate you saying that. That song, um, I wrote that song for my mother-in-law after um, my father-in-law had made a decision to leave after 32 years of marriage. And wow. uh, he's the one that ordained me 20 years ago. Mm. And so I, I told you I had no dad growing up. So I looked up to him and... Um, I wanted a marriage like theirs. They were married 30, you know, 30 years when I met them and stuff. Um, and so, yeah, it, it was a shock to, to us. And, and he, um, met somebody else. And I mean, I, well, later he met someone else, but that he wanted to leave. It was kind of like, Whoa. And he didn't just leave my mother-in-law. I mean, he left our family. Like we didn't see him. He was mm -hmm. gone. And um, then he got married to a girl from the Ukraine and uh, moved there for a while. And he met her at, on the mission field and uh, quote unquote, you know what I mean? And uh, it was real hard. My mother-in-law was damaged. I mean, just damaged. Um, and she moved in with my wife and I. And uh, I just wanted to tell her how amazing she is, how beautiful she is. And she said she, she told my wife she didn't feel beautiful anymore. She didn't feel like she had any value. She she just didn't feel good about herself. And like this is like what what now? And uh, and God gave me the song Caroline for her, and it's ministered to my mother in law all these years. It's ministered to her. So I always say it's the song that made me her favorite son-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot funnier when Jeremy, our guitar player, was in the band because that's her other son-in-law. 
Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and I would say that from the stage. Yeah. And it'd be it'd be hilarious. That's yeah, awesome. That fr- little friendly competition never hurt you. Yeah. <laughs> well, my uh yeah, my wife and his wife are sisters, so uh so it was a funny it was a funny little dig at him and joke on stage. But Jeremy's um he now still produces music for Seventh Day Slumber. Uh, he just doesn't tour because they have a, um, now their third child and um, their and their children um, like have a lot of bad allergies and things like that. Mm-hmm. And when you're on the road and you're going from city to city, state to state and all these different things and you can't, there's just a whole lot to, to, to have to do. Yeah. So, um, so, but I still talk, he's my neighbor. So I still talk to Jeremy and obviously my sister-in-law, Annie. Um, but yeah. Uh, well, I, if we if I want to go back even further than that though, I want to go back to '99, uh, oh before the new millennium. So when you guys had the Hootie and the Blowfish vibes going on, you we know, on sure your first did. album, Matthew Twenty Five album, well, I'd like to hear you know how you guys go from you know that sound. Where you is that? How do you progress to the rock that you guys have now? Just kind of was well, that. You know, uh, uh, and on that album, by the way, my my favorite, one of my favorite songs you guys have is Mama Won't Give Up. And and you've talked about your story, which obviously, you know, you're telling that story in that song. But for me, it was one that I related to because I had a kind of a similar, you know, uh, uh, junk in my life, too. And I was running away and doing all this stuff. But I didn't it wasn't for me. It wasn't my mama. For me, it was Jacob. <laughs> it was my brother uh, who was yeah. praying for me. And, uh, and prayed for me until I, you know, until, you know, God kicked me in the butt and got me back together. But, uh, um, so I, one, I love that song, but also you guys sound so different back then. Yeah, actually, that's one of my favorite songs that I've ever written, to be honest. Um, I, um, wrote that in a rehab called Charlie's in Corpus Christi, Texas. And, um, it was, uh, I, I kind of went through that whole thing. Like I said, that period of time where I had relapsed and I was out for like two months, but then it was like a, it was, I ended up back in jail, but it was like the rehabilitation back. And I had ended up going to that place and, and, um, and that's where I wrote that song. My mom never gave up on me and, and she was there. She, and I was just recalling all of the nights that she was up for me that she the stuff that she had gone through and didn't didn't ever leave and um never gave up and she was jesus to me Mm. you know and you know we're supposed to be the hands and feet of god and my mom was the love of jesus to me she she showed me that love of christ and in a way that I, nobody else did. And so, yeah, I had to write about it. And, uh, and because I was listening to a lot of Hootie and the Blowfish at the time that, that kind of, you know, it, it came out, but it's, it's funny though, because I wasn't a huge like I didn't listen to all Hootie and the Blowfish. Um, I listened to, um, I guess, huh? I also got a, when I, so I heard it the other day for the first time and I I told Jesse, I said, this sounds like Matchbox 20. And he goes, it sounds like Hootie and the Blowfish. And I was like, well, kind of both now that I think about it, but there was some Matchbox in there too. It, it, It was just all, yeah, all of that. It was all of that vibe, uh, from that era. Sure. You know, and and that's just what it was. But I did get told it was Hootie a lot, you know, and I was listening to a lot of Hootie at the time. But uh, well, really, only one record that I really listened to, and that was that Cracked Rear View album that uh, they yeah. did. And of course, everybody had even people that don't right. want to admit it. You know, yeah. they listen to that record. But <laughs> no, it's it's funny, though, because when I listened to Third Day back then, like that, he reminds me of Hootie. It's true. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and I remember when he did, um, oh man, what was that very first third day album where they were like a rock band at the time? Um, 
I think it was just nothing at all had that song. Nothing at all. Just to be with you. Yeah, love song. I think it was just called Third Day. I think it was was just called Third Day. Yeah, the album, yeah. Yeah, because it originally came out with them standing in front of like a bus or something. Yeah, Yeah, there was a Uh bus on the cover or something. And yeah, well, then they re-released it when they got signed to Mm. like Reunion Records or something like that. But dude, I mean, he sounds like they're, he sounded like Hootie, you know? Uh, Mm. So I think we all kind of had our, you know, you were either Hootie or Creed or, (laughs) you know? It was, you know, man, we all went through those. But that whole record, though, um, was kind of written at that time. So so the Matthew 25 album. So you have Matchbox 20. Yes, I did listen to Matchbox 20, you know, and that that kind of vibe is 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 all over that record. So. I mean, it's not for me, it's like. Remnant, walking down memory lane because you know we were also listening to that too yeah it's, it's nice yeah we well like music it. changed and i never wanted to be the band that stayed where stayed there mm-hmm. you know and a lot of bands didn't know how to make the that's why you see a lot of 80s bands that aren't around anymore yeah, right. other than the iconic ones like striper sure you right. know and, and and a lot of the 80s bands they couldn't make the change uh when grunge hit or mm-hmm. when you know kind of this alternative hit or whatever and not necessarily grunge because people not every band turned into a grunge band but but it turned into like alternative rock or modern rock or grunge or and and you could pick one um you know but you know it was a lot of these bands couldn't make the switch yeah that's why darius left and did uh country yeah well he's (laughs) he's actually pretty successful at country too yeah he is (laughs) <laughs> I mean, that guy's that guy's like he's killing it in the country country more. I mean, we live here in Nashville, so you hear about Darius all the time here in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, what would you say, Joseph, is the biggest difference? You know, uh, you guys started in '96, right? When you first started kind of getting into uh, well, really '97 is kind of where okay, yeah. So I almost- say '96 sometimes, but that was like earlier that was like not even worth mentioning it was sure. more 97 98 when the band kind of okay about started finding its way so almost 30 years later then because kind yeah. of coming up on that what would you say well, is thank the you biggest... for that hey listen it's i'm here to keep <laughs> keep you humble okay that's what i'm here for brother. well that did <laughs> <laughs> well what would you say is the biggest difference uh in ministry in music from when you were first there to to what it looks like today in today's uh, world, what's what's a, the biggest difference? Uh, I would say probably the biggest difference in the industry is that people are afraid to say they're a Christian band mm-hmm. um, because it can mess up their street cred, you right. know. And um, everybody wants to be like, you know, mainstream, and and then Christian radio stations. Um, want to play the band that is mainstream but has a Christian drummer, mm. and so they can be edgy too. Yeah, our station plays, you know, Twenty One Pilots. Are they a Christian band? Well, like, yeah, like their drummer, his dad was a preacher, you know. And it's <laughs> like, dude, but so you kicked off a band that really actually talks about Jesus that could have had a spot on your station. So that this, uh, not that I had anything against Twenty One Pilots, but I'm just saying you know, or red jumpsuit apparatus or something like that. Love both those bands. Think they're both really good, but you know, do they belong on the Christian charts while another band that actually glorifies the name of Jesus doesn't have an opportunity unless they decide to go mainstream. And then when they go mainstream and make it, then all of a sudden you'll play their band on your Christian radio station. How twisted is that? I, I remember a time when stations wanted to know if this band actually walked what they talked. And that that don't happen anymore. It's it's not about that anymore. And, I, and I'm not saying all radio stations, um, because that's not that's not the case. But a lot a lot of radio stations, it's more about the like the popularity, like what how cool can we look if we have this edgy like you know kind of walking the line band. But back in the day, if they they wouldn't play you if they heard that you didn't talk about Jesus from the stage, you know. And 
And so now I'm not saying that every band needs to be up there preaching all throughout their show. That's not what I'm saying. Some people feel awkward, like when they're talking. I know a lot of band members that just feel like they're not good at it. And they can play and they love to play. So their ministry, they put it in their lyrics. Right. And so I, I'm, I get that. I'm totally get that. Um, but, but man, back in the day, it used to be like, you had to have a foundation in, in your walk. You didn't just say now some bands did get by with just saying, yeah, we're Christians in a band, whatever. But mm -hmm. for the most part, nobody was afraid to say like, I'm in love with Jesus. I'm a Christian. We're a Christian band. Um, you know, we're pro-life. Ooh, that's yeah. something you don't say anymore yeah. from your page. Right. Or yeah. pro-life. Like, yeah. but as far as ministry goes, um, you know, I'm still doing, I'm still doing the same thing. I'm still going to preach Jesus wherever uh, I'll preach him to the haters and I'll preach him to the drunks and I'll preach him to the, it don't matter. But uh, I'm going to let the cards fall where they may. And anybody that fo follows me on Facebook will see that. I'm not pulling down my post just because it, it wasn't kosher with you. You know, you weren't, mm -hmm. you weren't cool with it. Um, you know, it's just not going to happen. I, first of all, I don't just post whatever I, I don't post stuff just to start stuff. Uh, you know, contrary to po popular belief, I don't just post stuff just to stir stuff up. I post stuff that I believe, you know, is right to post. Mm -hmm. And, and I wouldn't post it if I wasn't willing to defend it. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, I mean, just, it's a different industry, but sure. at the same time, I'm, I'm still the same me and the people in this band love Jesus and they're, and there and they show that love to other people that's awesome that's awesome hey so for you a few years ago you guys did a spanish album uh mm -hmm. Res, Res, i think is what it was called right yeah and, and, and i actually it, it's funny because so i lived in mexico for a couple of years my wife's from there uh we lived in san antonio for another year with a church plant and so i knew a lot of i knew that album because a lot of my friends in church played it in mexico yeah and i didn't realize that it was a remake you redid a lot of your previous songs and you did them in Spanish. I just thought they were like the original Spanish version. I, I thought you just wrote them in Spanish. So I, I love that album. My wife loves it. We listen to it. Good. Cause we have another one coming out. That's what I was about to ask. Do you have another Spanish album coming out? Cause we'd love, I'd yeah. love that. We have two that are going to be coming out. One uh, is going to be um, take everything. Our worship album uh, awesome. Is going to be all in Spanish. That was our very first worship album that we ever released. Take everything and had from the inside out on it, and yeah. yeah. So that one's all redone in Spanish. It's been translated um, into international Spanish, and um, the uh, the music. So everything's all done. It, the only thing that is not done yet, which will be done in the next, I would say, probably by the end of uh, next month, is all the vocals. Uh, I'm singing all the vocals here starting awesome. in the next few weeks awesome or a few now, days actually do you speak spanish un poquito like okay. i can i can sing it with no accent um and i'm mexican you know but uh you know it's crazy because a lot of and a lot of mexicans will tell you this a lot of mexican americans will will tell you this um i was talking to another guy uh in austin at south by southwest and he was like man I followed you guys for a long time. He's doing a documentary on, on the Latinos in, in the music industry. And, um, and so anyway, um, he was telling me that he didn't speak Spanish and he wanted to know if I did. And I said, no. And he told me why he didn't speak Spanish. And it's pretty much the same reason why I don't speak Spanish is that our parents, his parents, my mom yeah. used to be made fun of and put down mm -hmm. for not speaking English properly. And so my mom didn't want that for us because we were going to take heat. We were going to be made fun of. We were going to be bullied in this country for speaking Spanish. Sure. And she was bullied. My mom was. And so was the guy, Steve, who I was talking to, his, his parents. They would actually slap him across the face and 
not not abuse, uh, you know, sure, but sure. just with a chancla. That means a flip flop for those of you that are listening. El poder de la chancla. <laughs> yeah, no, but he said he used to get a little smack every time he would start speaking in Spanish sure. from his parents because yeah. they were they they were so mm-hmm. they were so um, hurt by by people here in the states that for speaking Spanish, but yeah. Um, but hey, now now I want to now I want to learn every bit that I can, and it's like now I'm older and I'm and it's harder to learn when you're older. Now my kids learn way faster than me. Sure. So yeah, it's possible. Listen, man, I I was a uh. Let me see. When I got married, I was 24. A 24 year old white guy with red hair from Kentucky learned how to speak fluent Spanish. So uh, anybody can do it. I, yeah. I was motivated by love. I mean, my my father in law told me if you want to w- marry my daughter, you have to learn Spanish. So I was a little motivated. Uh, well, you it know is what? possible. It is you possible. It is possible, and you don't look that different from some Mexicans in Mexico. That's true. You know, it's funny because here uh, locally, I have a lot of uh, Mexican friends, and there's yeah. a grocery store down the street. When I walk yeah. in, everybody says, "Hey, Canelo!" Like, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, dude. So, Cause the, I'm like, yeah, I like it. If That's what nice. I was gonna it's say. Nice. <laughs> it's nice. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny, man. A lot of you know. I mean, I know there's a lot of Mexicans that are dark, you know, real dark. Sure. And, uh, and I'm kind of the I'm I'm kind of a lighter lighter shade, bro. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But uh, but no, there's a lot of like white redheaded Mexicans. You know, there are more. Yeah, there are more. It's it's funny when someone just walks up and starts just speaking. Hey, dude, you know, blah, 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 you know, it throws people. Yeah, I throw you're people like, off a wait, lot. You're Mexican. Yeah, I oh. throw people off a lot, and I love it. It's it's awesome. Yeah, that's funny, man. Yeah, your kid will talk about. That's about it for me. Shoot, <laughs> don't get me wrong, dude. I'll just Taco Bell, man. Yeah. Don't get me wrong now. So, Joseph, you're all's new album, Death by Admiration. I will say is can I say freaking amazing. <laughs> Your podcast, it is, bro. I'm just rolling it is, with it. <laughs> it is it is good. It is um like the amazing hard stuff that I love. Um every song on there is killer. So you got a new tour coming with Decipher Down. Yeah. And and a few other acts. Uh so tell us tell us about that. Tell us about the album and What's what's going down the the pipe for you guys and, and the rest of the year? Yeah, so the new album "Death by Admiration" um, is out now. It actually debuted on Billboard's like mainstream chart, top two hundred of all albums released, um, which is really awesome. It debuted at like sixty something, I think, um, and then it debuted at number three on the Christian um, albums um, on Billboard. So. Really pleased with it. It's the heaviest record we've ever released. Uh, my, you know, we're talking about transformation, like what happened from there to here and how did things change? Well, um, our, some of that was like Jeremy, uh, our guitar player, my brother-in-law, like he, different music that he would listen to would change the style of the music as we, you know, grew. So that's how music can change over the years and then I'll listen to a new band and I'll get into it or on our drives where we're going to play shows, those, uh, you know, we all start listening to each other's music and the band. And, and so that's how music can change stylistically over the years. But with this one, um, the reason it changed so drastic, I mean, it's still seven day slumber when you listen to it, like you go, Oh, that's seven day slumber, but that's seven day slumber on steroids. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's like seven day slumber, fresh, new, fresh sound, Mm-hmm. But you can tell that's Joseph singing and the lyrics are still powerful and the melodies are still soaring or whatever. Um, but my son, Blaze, who's 20 years old, actually him and our new guitar player, Weston, who's from my hometown of Victoria and one of Blaze's best friends, um, they actually produced this album along with one other person, a guy by the name of Kellen McGregor, who is the guitar player from Memphis Mayfire. Mm-hmm. So... It was uh, it was Kellen, Blaze, and Weston that per- wrote all the music for this new album. Um, uh, Weston wrote all the guitars. Blaze and Weston wrote the breakdowns. Um, so, like in Soundcheck, we'd be on tour, and then they we'd finish Soundcheck, and and then them two would stay there and write music together. Um, 
And Blaze actually recorded me in this studio right here. Uh, I know you can't see the whole studio, but just trust me, there is one here. Um, <laughs> but Blaze, my son, recorded my vocal and produced my vocal. So he wrote a lot of the melodies, and I wrote about 30% of the melodies. He wrote about 70% of the melodies. And then I wrote, well, him and I wrote all the lyrics to the album. So that's why this album sounds so much different, is that I knew that my son and Weston and Kellen were super, super talented in the area of like writing new stuff, heavy stuff. And, um, and I just told him to go for it. I said, look, I've done, I've written all my stuff. I've accomplished the things that I wanted to accomplish in this industry musically ministry wise. There's so much more I still want to do musically. You know, we've got, we've got a lot of things we can be proud of, you know, that God mm-hmm. has, done for us from the dove awards to the list of stuff, you know, mm-hmm. but, um, but I know that my son and Weston, they're two young bucks in this band. And I know that there's things they still want to do musically. And I said, so do it. Let's go. I'm down. Uh, I'm, I'm proud of you guys. Let's, let's see what you got. And then them along with Kellen McGregor, like I said, from Memphis Mayfire, they, they produced this whole album and produced my vocals and it took me to a new level in singing. Like I, there's notes I can hit now that I could, that I wasn't able to hit two years ago. And uh, it's it's crazy. Huh? Um, the the record is doing super super well right now, mm. and they've already started writing new music for the new album. The new album. This is the first time I've ever said it um, so far, like on a podcast or on any kind of interview. But um, I think maybe I may have said on, on one other podcast, but we're already working on a new record um, that's a, along these same lines. And it's going to be called Feasting on Vultures. And it's a heavy, heavy rock record. So, and yeah, look, that's my admiration. We look forward to it. Just make sure you do it one in Spanish, too. OK. Oh, yeah. No, we're doing <laughs> it. man. And, you know, we got the tour coming up, too. You can yeah. uh, go to SeventhDaySlumber.com and see all our tour dates. Um, and the tour dates are up there. We're playing, um, if you're in the Dallas area too, come out because we want to show them we can sell out the house of blues May 11th in Dallas, Texas. That'll be a lot of fun, but yeah, us decipher down spoken and amongst the giants. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks so much for taking time with us, Joseph. We really, really grateful for it. Really. It's an honor, man. I'm glad to be on the show. everybody for listening and thanks joseph for taking the time and talking with us be sure to subscribe to our podcast wherever you may listen please leave us a five-star rating on our podcast we appreciate it very much follow us on all social media platforms at christian music guys we are a listener supported podcast you can become a part of our team financially at christianmusicguys.com we are so grateful for all of our supporters Thanks again. See you next week.